0: I think with the cost of business school, if your only goal is just to network, like, two, what is it, 250 grand, something like that, I can just buy how many people drinks with that and instantly new connection or coffee or, or lunch, right? I can just, or flights, flight. Yeah, flights, like, you know, just take maybe take a few months off of work and just go really ham with the network and go to as many events as possible. Ask everybody out for coffee, Um, fly, you know, fly to the East Coast, fly to the West Coast, wherever you are and start hanging out on campus at their business school. So, you know, I don't really have business school on my career trajectory anymore. Mm -hmm. I've already done it online and I I don't really see myself sitting in the classroom for two years of time. I'd rather be out there building and doing things. So I'm just going to go to meet people.
1: It's DeAndre here and this is The Pioneers Show. The show where we talk with innovators, makers, entrepreneurs, and also doers like in this episode. Basically people who are trailing their own trails and creating their own lives so that we all can learn how to work on our own lives. This is episode 14 and I'm your host Andre Di You can find me at It's DeAndre on Twitter and on Instagram, as well as the show at Pyre News Show on Instagram as well. You should definitely check it out. We've been really upping the quality and quantity of the content we put up on Instagram. Go there and tell us what you you think? In this week's episode, we have with us Ariana Thacker. Ariana is a multifaceted entrepreneur that, according to her, has worked in 20 industries. I met Ariana through her LinkedIn content, and believe me when I say she truly creates what it's usually called, no bullshit content. We talk about skills development, LinkedIn, and a bunch of other topics. Midway through the conversation, we go on this weird rabbit hole of personality traits, and all I can say is that it was a lot of fun, and we hope you enjoy it. Without any further ado, let's jump into the conversation with Ariana. Welcome to the show, Ariana. How are you? Doing well. How are you? All good. All good. Thank you for taking the time. I know that we're pretty much almost on opposite sides of the world, right?
0: Just about. Where are you in Germany? At Berlin. Oh, you're in Berlin. Yeah, I'm all the way in LA. So just just about opposite sides of the planet.
1: <laughs> so for people who don't know who you are, can to give us a presentation?
0: Sure. Hi, everybody. My name is Ariana Thacker. So I graduated from UCLA with a chemical engineering degree, but I've done pretty much everything but that since. Um, I've worked in nearly 20 industries, which has been fun and super fast paced. Um, traveled around the world. Uh, currently writing an ebook with my partner Roshni Shalani, and doing a lot of fun stuff on LinkedIn. Always reading, always learning. Working with lots of startups in LA, and yeah, that pretty much sums it up. There's also a few other big projects I'm working on, but I'll keep that in stealth mode.
1: <laughs> okay, so let's let's take let's pick up right from here. So you mentioned you studied chemical engineering, correct? Yes. Okay. First of all, what, what brought you into chemical engineering? Cause usually as a woman yourself, usually right. in terms of statistically speaking, it's not a field that attracts a lot of women, correct?
0: Yeah. Um, I wish I could say it was a deliberate choice and I, I had this, Grand plan to become a chemical engineer since I was five, but that really wasn't the case. Um, as is the case with a lot of the things I find myself getting into, it wasn't really a deliberate choice. But mm-hmm. um, you know, opportunity met luck, and just went after it. So, just a bit of a background. Um, when I was a kid, I wanted to be an artist, and I was actually going to the local community college when I was in elementary school and taking all these art classes and just painting nonstop and drawing and just doing all these really artsy things. And um, I moved around a lot as a kid. So I was barely at the same school for more than one to two years. So that, that actually helped a lot in terms of that, you know, adapting to different environments very quickly. And one of those schools was the Science Academy in Millican Middle School. So at this school, it's, it's really special. You take, um, you take these really advanced biochem physics courses at a young age. So in seventh to eighth grade, I was exposed to college-level science. Um, and it it kicked my ass and (laughs) I started off as a very average student in the class, but I worked, worked so hard. Um, and I became the top student in the class. So straight A's, um, won the award for that and thought, Hey, you know, it seems like I'm pretty good at science. I could explore this some more. So in high school, um, started taking more AP classes and community college classes in science. Um, my freshman year, I took AP physics and just like, you know, just went, went from there. That, and um, that's very funny. Yeah.
1: Cause, <laughs> Cause just to give you a general idea, uh, I think you're the first one that actually, I think you're the, f- no, I think you're the second one, right, right? Actually person that comes here in the Pioneers show that actually wanted to become or to do something in the arts area. And the, the, yeah. the, You can say, or I can say, imagining to you that basically it happened by chance, right? You fell in love with science by chance.
0: Yeah, and I wasn't really good at school before the science academy. I don't know if it's just because I wasn't challenged or there just wasn't a teacher that I really resonated with, but it wasn't until the science academy that I actually started getting straight A's and got very serious about school. Um, and then in high school, I had a, you know, 4.8 GPA, something like that. I got straight A's in there with um, as well as a ton of AP classes. Um, and then there was a student in the high school that really inspired me to look more into chemistry because it wasn't, that was actually one AP class I didn't end up taking. Mm-hmm. And I just learned more about chemistry on the side. I, I was reading textbooks for fun, talking to him about chemistry during lunch and yeah, I just applied for chemical engineering. I wasn't quite sure what a chemical engineer did. And I just thought, hey, this would look pretty good on a business card, why not? Applied to a few universities and yeah, ended up at UCLA as a chemical engineer and just decided to stick with it. You mentioned the something, really clicked with me. Sorry to oh, interrupt yeah, you. But you
1: mentioned that you got you you had a student that inspired you to yeah. to and inspiration is something that I really want to focus on a big part of this conversation. So, what what did the person do to inspire you specifically? Was it any motivational speaking, or did that person give you a specific talk? What happened to me, to make you become so inspired?
0: Yeah, I mean, he was he was very introverted, um, so it wasn't that. It was it was just more so subtle. It's just he just lighted it up so much talking about chemistry and he talked about chemistry all the time. And I'd always see him reading chemistry books. So I I just got curious. I'm like, why, you know, what's going on in this chemistry land? Why do you like the subject so much? And just started chatting to him or chatting with him. And yeah, I I just like, you know, fell in love with his energy towards chemistry and it, it got me inspired to also look into it some more, just the way he talked about it, the different, and the way he described how chemistry works. It was just not something I've heard before. Interesting. So that was really enjoyable to hear. Yeah. Very interesting. And
1: uh, another thing that for people who move a lot, uh, either as a student or as already outside of the, st- of the academy, do you think that the moving yeah. a lot, the, the thing that you mentioned, getting a lot of become able to adapt at a moment's notice because you had to, do you think that helped you end the transition from arts to science and eventually, like we're going to discover in this conversation, from science to science, to entrepreneurship and making and doing stuff on, on a much more abstract level than chemistry?
0: Yeah, I think definitely. I think um, just moving around so much kept me formless. Like I can define who I am. I didn't let my environment define me. So, you know, I'm in complete control of my interests and the goals I pursue and the industries I pursue. Um, and I feel like, you know, if you're in the same spot for a long time, you feel a lot of social pressure just to pursue one thing either from like your parents or your environment or your friends or whoever, whoever you spend the most amount of time with or even your own self limitations, right? You're like, I'm, but I'm this person, I can't change, but I've never really had that mindset. I'm like, okay, if I want to learn this, I'll just go ahead and learn it. I'll just buy some books online and, you know, schedule um, meetings with friends and then go take an online course. And, you know, I'll, I'll just find a way to do that. Or, you know, like, for example, I don't even have social media besides LinkedIn. Um, I'm not on Facebook. I deleted my account a long time ago. Um, I think I have a Twitter account, but I haven't used it at all. Like I must have like less than 10 followers on there. I don't do Instagram. So I never really considered myself anyone capable on social media, but I just decided to, hey, why don't I explore LinkedIn more and start posting daily and, um, you know, really connecting with people and providing value and build a network on there and just decided to hack away at that, even though I wasn't, you know, quote unquote, a social media expert. So I, I never let those things define what I do or who I am.
1: And you mentioned LinkedIn and that's actually something interesting for because we actually met through LinkedIn. I was following you for quite some time now and interestingly enough you always seem to post things that are at the same time very inspirational but at, but also always focused on a personal anecdote to tell a story. And I think that's a very interesting approach that you have on LinkedIn specifically.
0: Right. Yeah. I don't like to bullshit. Um, you know, I'm not posting things that I don't know anything about. It's, it's stuff that I've done through like my work experience or like helping someone else directly. So there's always a personal story tied to it. And like it, it's, it's set in such a way that other people can do it too. Like it's not abstract. So uh, the goal on LinkedIn is to take these really complex topics and codify them into simple and actionable steps. So that's the overarching theme with anything that I post on LinkedIn. It's like, how can others do it too? It may look complicated and mysterious from the outside, but that's often not the case with anything. You can break anything down into small actionable steps and then you can start executing.
1: Cool. Uh, we'll, we'll talk more about LinkedIn in a few minutes, but I really wanted to go to touch on another point that you mentioned that you've been working with around 20 industries.
0: Yeah, close to. Close to that, between fifteen and twenty, um, and that's not all through my consulting work either. That was that also includes experience beforehand. So, um, when I was working in corporate, when I was, um, you know, internships during college, I even had um, some startup experience before college started. So that was that was really cool too. Um, so just between my first job and now, it's close to twenty industries.
1: I mean, moving a lot, like you said, also make, gave you the capability of once again being able to do all these. Twenty industries, which seems at one point, even for a person with forty-year resume, twenty industries is quite some, quite quite a lot, right?
0: Yeah, but you'd be surprised on how much overlap there is and how much transferable skills apply to whatever you're doing within these industries, even if the projects are completely different, the role is completely different. I think a lot of people are held back because they're like, "Oh, I don't know anything about you know the energy storage industry. How can I break into that?" and I think it's just you know trying and being okay with not being fully prepared, trying something new. Like Don't be a perfectionist about it. I'm not a perfectionist, and it, that took me a long time to change that mindset because for the longest time, I was a perfectionist. You know I had to get the straight A's, and the reports had to be perfect, and everything had to be perfect, but shaking off that skill was really hard, and when I did that, I just felt so much more comfortable um, just trying more things, and it, I've really stretched and grown quite a bit just from doing that mentally, mentally shifting from not being a perfectionist
1: you mentioned transferable skills and yeah let's let's take a step back on, on this specific topic what is a transferable skill specifically
0: what is a transferable skill a skill that applies to several different roles and industries right um, so let's say you're a really good problem solver that's not really confined to just one type of role right or let's say you're really entrepreneurial like there's a lot of different companies and industries and roles that can benefit from that quality um, or, you know, it it might not just be like, oh, I know how to use um, customer relationship management software, right? But think about what you know about that, maybe organizational skills or um, finding leads or networking with a lot of people. Like, think about the tangible skills you can get from from knowing how to use that and um, populating the data, et cetera, and what you can apply from there to other places. So that's a transferable skill.
1: Do you think that these skills are... Are these self-taught, or are they acquired via experience, or is it a mixture of both?
0: I think it's it's all of the above. I think you have to push yourself to develop these skills, right? I wasn't, or personally, I wasn't born with any of these skills. Like, I I definitely have to work really hard at anything I do. It's not not nearly as easy as it looks, but um, know that once you find a good methodology to approach something, it, it becomes a lot easier, and not being overwhelmed by, oh, this is such a massive project, or or whatever you're dealing with, it can be broken down into little steps, right? So just not getting overwhelmed by the process and enjoying the process.
1: Mm. But, okay, th- then let's take, let's take, for example, a student. Someone who's just finished yeah. in college and is interested in a multitude of different industries and it's not a technical founder, therefore that person wants to, to join a startup or venture off and create something. Do you, right. th- how does what, what would be your advice? Would it be try and read more and get these skills, or go work for someone else, get these skills, acquire, learn from them, or what would you tell them?
0: Um, I think it's so circumstantial, but let's say you, you have a safety net, let's say you can live at your parents' and they're willing to, you know, pay for your food and whatever. Um, so you can take a chance, right? I would just say go ahead and, and just start making moves on whatever that idea is, but first. First of your due diligence and making sure there's a problem and understanding your customer and um, putting together a business canvas is a good place to start. It's all about, you know, setting a hypothesis and validating that hypothesis. So talking to lots of people who are your target customer and really understanding their pain point and what's valuable to them and how are you going to quantify that value proposition to them and how would they describe your product, right? Picking up on those keywords um, because that's what you would use in your copy and your advertisement and on your website too. You know that's it all ties into your marketing. So, so um, I just start creating, right? And if you don't have the technical skills, one learn them, or two partner with someone who does, or three hire someone who does, right? There's there's an option for everything. The internet's such a magic tool; you can find anyone for anything. Like there's really no excuse for that.
1: So and for you, you mentioned that the, okay that you can learn them or hire someone who who knows it and knows it way better than you will ever be able to. So, but imagine that I'm playing a little bit of devil's advocate, but imagine that I'm a student and saying, yeah, but I'm not a programmer. You say, okay, you can hire someone. Yeah, but I don't have the money. You can partner, uh, Yeah, but I don't know anybody.
0: Then get to know people, get to network. Like, you know, I, I think that person's coming up with so many excuses that I don't even know if they're wired to be an entrepreneur. Like they should be more. Solution focus and problem focus, right? Like Mm -hmm. you're coming up with excuses and you're not even getting started. Like you need to change your mindset to begin with.
1: Ah, I I really like, I really love that that answer. I, I always, and I, I think a lot of people become a victim of their own excuses without understanding that they're setting them or saying (laughs) as excuses.
0: Yeah. You're a hundred percent in control and you need to find a way to get it done. You know, maybe even get rid of your safety net, make it so that this is something you need to accomplish, right? You get really creative when you're really struggling, right? If you don't have a safety net and you have to make a thousand dollars this month to pay rent, you'll find a way to do it. Right.
1: Oh uh, yeah, for sure. I'm going to be honest. If I, if I came across a month that I had to make $1,000 in a month, I think I would just get grab my guitar and go to the subway and play because that's one of the easiest it, ways to make money.
0: Yeah, exactly. That's, so there's like a million different ways to make money, right? Like you just need to be creative and open-minded and you need to explore that. And it, maybe it's not the best option, but it's good for now and that's fine. Just keep moving forward and then you can always like pivot later, right? Like It doesn't have to be 100% planned. You don't have to wait till it's the perfect moment when you're partnering with the perfect person, but I think you should do a lot of due diligence with your partner, um, especially if you're if you're doing an equity split. But, you know, it's just get, get things started, start testing it out, and, and see what happens. And the second you're coming up with excuses, you need to take a break and stop and just say, no, this is not the mindset I want to go into this with. I'm going to be more solution-focused, and there's an answer here, and I need to find it.
1: Oh yeah, I, I totally agree with that. And the, the the main problem, at least for me, when I when I talk about this, is that I also am a victim of my own victim complex sometimes, or the excuse complex, because I, as a mechanism for trying not to to, to, to be to not be courageous, the complexity of our brains to not feel like I like I'm a failure makes me get excuses that I don't, that I don't consider as an excuse. And I remember when we talked the first time, you said that one of the main things that you like to talk about is getting the strength and the inner strength and the courageousness to do stuff.
0: Right. Um, You know, I think that just comes with getting rejected enough times or it just doesn't even affect you, right? So just start making sales calls, start getting rejected by cute girls in public. You know what I mean? Just whatever it takes to get over that fear of rejection in your mind. And it just comes from practice. It just comes from repetition, Right, like I've just tried so many things, and I've had so many rejection stories from this process. Um, It's to the point where it's, you know, it affects me a little bit, but not, not really that much. Right, like so you can be a lot more bold in that sense. And I've noticed with people that they're very forgiving if you're very bold. But it's when you when you half-ass boldness is when you know people (laughs) don't feel comfortable or they start questioning what you do. So if you're gonna do it, just put put it go all in and just be fully bold with it. If you're going to pursue a client, just be bold with it, right? If you're going to talk to the cute girl, be have a bold action. Because if you're like, oh, would you possibly want to go out with me? It's, it's nervous, it's awkward, right?
1: Some people consider that charming, actually, but yeah, I agree with you.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, sure it depends your approach.
1: Um, okay, so going, taking a step back. So you said you travel a lot. So just to give our perform a little histogram or a of your own history. So you finished college at UCLA. I assume you started interning in the chemical engineering space, correct?
0: Yeah. Very traditional chemi. Um, I worked for a biotech company and then a refinery.
1: Okay. And when did you start to travel? I, I you, I remember you just said in the beginning of your presentation that you loved to travel and you traveled a lot.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, um, growing up, I didn't really travel that much. We had a few, um, international trips. Like I, I come from a very humble beginnings, So, um, and you know, I don't really have the resources to just take these trips. I have to, I have to earn it. Right. So, um, I graduated from UCLA, started working for an oil and gas, um, well, upstream oil and gas operator. And, um, it was a cool experience, but I didn't really feel at home in the location Like I am, I'm such a city girl and moving to a more rural town was a very hard transition for me. Like I just didn't really go with my personality or there weren't really activities I like to do. And I didn't really connect with the people as well as I do um, in bigger cities. So, um, hard, hard adjustment period, but I was, you know, trying very hard to adapt. And there just came a point where I was just like, you know, what, what am I doing? I'm I'm not in a town I like. I'm working these crazy hours. I, I just need to take a break. So I guess it was like an eat, pray, love moment. Um, I was going to actually originally take a year off, but I ended up only taking six months off because I got I got really bored of traveling. Ironically, I needed to do something mentally um, mentally challenging. So um, just travel hack this entire trip, I ended up going to nearly 20 countries solo and it was it was just a lot of fun. I met, I made a lot of friends um, and in some of the countries I set a goal to meet at least 10 people a day and that usually that number was far exceeded and I'm still in touch with a lot of those people today. Um, in fact, like I'm seeing, I'm seeing a couple from Australia. I met a lot of Australians traveling, which has actually um, influenced me to go to Australia for a bit to work and come back. Um, they're going to come visit in September. So really good, hopefully lifelong friends
1: from that trip. Let's hope so. But did you, s- not only did you set, but why did you set the mark to meet at least 10 people? Was it a, a personal voyage or a personal knowledge voyage that you wanted to prove yourself, prove to yourself that you could do it? Or the 10 was just number that you took out of a head and just ran with it?
0: Yeah, I just. I just ran with it. Um, I, what prompted that was the first day in Japan was just so awkward. I was just like, you know, walking around kind of aimlessly. And I was just like, all right, this is going to be lonely for a year. I need to start meeting people. And I'm like, all right, well, how many people should I meet? Let's just say 10. So I just started meeting people and going from there.
1: Have you ever heard the the, the podcast uh, Art of Charm?
0: Um, yes, actually. A friend recommended that to me, but I didn't end up listening to any of the podcasts unfortunately
1: it's very interesting and the founder of that podcast actually was recently uh recently a few months ago interviewed by kevin rose from dig.com okay and he he said that when he when he before he began the, the the podcast he went through a similar journey but he was much more of an introvert and he tried and made a conscious effort to talk with people and almost force himself to talk with people. And I think that's interesting that even though you don't seem like an introvert, you also had an approach, but looking for a different consequence for talking with different people.
0: Yeah. I mean, I guess it's very, you know, it depends on what my environment is. If I'm really comfortable, I'm a raging extrovert, but if I'm in a situation where I am uncomfortable, I do get uncomfortable, right? Like everybody gets uncomfortable once in a while. And Um, it's those times where you have to step it up, right? Like get over those nerves and start meeting people and set a goal like that. If you're at a networking event and your nerves are killing you just say, Hey, you know what? I'm going to meet three people today, get their business card. And that would be an improvement, right? It's just, it's just improving incrementally from where you were yesterday or where you were a week ago.
1: I totally Um, totally agree with that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Have you taken a personality test? Are you, are you introverted or extroverted?
1: I'm an extrovert, but I consider I, I know that I'm an extrovert, but I actually consider myself a fake introvert because I'm someone who can be very much, very much an extrovert if I want to. But if I'm tired or anything, I would rather be in my own corner listening to a podcast or reading a book or talking with someone right. about basketball. I don't care about anything else.
0: Right. Yeah. I'm the same way. Um, have you taken a Myers-Briggs personality
1: test? Yes, I am the debater. I think that's the, the, uh, 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 there's, there's this website called 16 personalities that basically uses the the Myers-Briggs test and says that I'm a debater that whenever there's something that it's intellectually stimulating for me, I just like to go with it and don't shut up if necessary.
0: (laughs) Oh, that's really cool. I like that. Do you remember what the four letters were for that? I got the campaigner for that.
1: It's ENTP.
0: Oh, okay. Interesting. Cool. They yeah, are, we're off by one letter.
1: And some of the things are, there are no rules. We're trying to accomplish something. <laughs> I really love this.
0: Yeah. Yeah, personality tests are cool. I kind of went on a like personality test binge for... This past month, um, like, if you get a chance, did you take, like, a DISC personality test?
1: i done that. I think um, I did that the other day, actually. I, I applied oh, for... Oh, D-I-S-C? Yeah, I think I applied for a job game thing and I think I have it here. Uh, Do you
0: know what your results were,
1: Yeah, here. D-I-S-C. So, I'm... This is... Let me get the name. Okay, Decisive, Interactive, Stabilizing, and Cautious. That's the names, right? So yeah, yep, exactly. I'm, yep. I have a high, I have a little bit over the decisiveness. I have. Okay,
0: what, what percent? What do you know the number?
1: It's 56 out of 49. I've been trying to get the numbers. Okay, so. Oh, okay. So I have the values that are aesthetic, economic, individualistic, political, altruist, regulatory, and theoretical. But if I go to the disc, it's 56 out of 49 in terms of decisiveness. decisiveness, 99 out of 81 in terms of interactive.
0: Nice. 88
1: out of 17 for stabilizing. Okay. And 14 out of 42 in terms of cautious. I'm not very cautious apparently.
0: Yeah, we got the same, we got the same C score. (laughs) (laughs) So we're we're pretty similar. Yeah, I got like a 99 for D, a 99 for I, like a 20 or so for S and yeah, like between... 14 and 20 around there, like very low for C. <laughs> yeah, and just just, so for
1: people who are listening and this may sound a little bit weird that we're talking about, I adv- advise you to take the disc personality yeah, test and also the 16 personalities, test, 16personalities.com. And the thing that in terms of the 16 personalities most interests me to be honest is that I've done the personality tests in different times with if different ages. And I know that some of the answers, I'm 100% sure that they changed. But it still gives me the same result.
0: Yeah, you know what? Mine's been the same for, I don't even know, X number of years, however long I've been taking that test for. It it doesn't ever change. I don't know. Yeah, you're right. The questions have changed. (laughs)
1: Because there are things that you no longer... assume that they have that much high importance to you. There are things that you now simply don't care, don't value that much. But apparently there's some weird algorithm there that always goes up to the same freaking thing.
0: Oh, how eerie. Crazy. Yeah. I think DISC was a lot more in depth Mm -hmm. than 16 personalities. Like what did you get like a 70 page report? From that one, do uh, we take the same one?
1: I took the Tony Robbins one, so it's,
0: yeah, I took the Tony Robbins one. Yeah, so it was like a seventy page report or so. Um, and it just goes so in depth, like your preferred communication style, um, like how you like to learn new things, um how you listen to others. Like it just goes so in depth. it's It's crazy.
1: I think the funnier thing is that then this the 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 same thing goes to the seven dimensions of value and motivation. And when I talk with my girlfriend, she left a lot because it's literally aesthetic. It's the it's the thing that I don't care the most. It's as long as it's done, yeah. I don't care if it's beautiful. And in terms of regulatory, I don't care about rules. I just want to be... It's li- literally written here. You are able to be a multi-threaded problem solver, able to shift gears yeah. and project in a flexible way. I literally do not care about anything Woo. else.
0: <laughs> Break all the rules just make it happen. <laughs> I
1: think... Uh, my managing director back in Paris said that, uh, it's something about the, everybody's heard about that done is better than perfect, but then he had a poem yeah. about, about the perfection and it was a weird poem, but I'll, I'll see if I can link up and send sh- it to you later. But it was a very interesting poem about that goes around the same thing that done is better than perfect.
0: Yeah. I mean, depends on the job. Um, it's like, it's, I don't know, I'm, I'm, I'm under the knife. <laughs> I'd rather the surgeon be perfect than, than just done. Right.
1: (laughs) Oh yeah, that's for sure. But once again, these are skills (laughs) that to be done have to be perfect.
0: Right. Right. Yeah, for sure. Um, so how, how do you, how do you shake off that perfectionism? Like how, have you ever had that or is it just natural to, you know, kind of bull in the China shop, just get it done and keep going?
1: Uh. I'm, I can be one of the, the bigger procrastinators ever at one point. Oh, okay. I, I, I think if something happens, I'm, I'm a very mission driven person, but at the same time, I can be a master procrastinator. So, which means that sometimes when the push comes to shove, I try to be as close to done than perfect. If it's something that I truly love and go to the perfection, usually that is either takes too much of my time or I get bored right. with myself. Right. Does right. that happen to you as well?
0: Um, it's like procrastinating, or the the the, the struggle what, what,
1: for for trying to fight off perfection perfectionism rather.
0: Um, I think yeah, earlier on in my career for sure, but now it's just um, I've developed these new bits towards you know I'm I'm very much focused on it getting done rather than perfect, and just being okay without it. It took you know yeah so. <laughs> Yeah, I think yeah. As we've we've mentioned throughout the podcast, done is done is better than perfect, and just developing the habits to be okay with that. So, let's say you have a PowerPoint presentation, and you know not all the fonts are the same or the text is aligned. You know, if it, depending on the circumstance, if it's for a client, maybe you know okay. clean it up a bit. But of if it's internal for the team, then is it really necessary? Is it really worth your time? And think of it. From a company perspective, as a business owner, right? Does the business owner want you to be spending an hour improving the aesthetics, or would they want you to spend an hour looking for other cost savings within the company, right?
1: Yeah, yeah of course, of course, I totally. But but the thing is, when we're talking yeah. about clients, there's this weird line that's unwritten line that it comes between done versus yeah. perfection and done versus not not caring at all. You have it has to be well done at least
0: yeah aesthetics impact your credibility definitely with clients right like you want it to be presented well because if you have a spelling error in your PowerPoint presentation then you're probably losing your audience right at that right at that moment right or if it's not aligned if it's not aesthetic you're going to be losing your audience um, so in that in that sense it should be a, a closer to perfect and just done
1: an interesting thing that we mentioned about clients that you've mentioned that you've done consulting in which kind of consulting yeah. do you do specifically? Or do don't you have um, any specific consulting?
0: I don't feel like it's I'm really a consultant because I don't just, you know, throw out ideas, I actually run with it and execute and and start building, right? Like I don't just keep the client hanging. Um, mm. so it's like it's not really a consultant, but I don't I don't know what to call it, but it's not just one thing, it's all sorts of things.
1: But are you like so, the, you know, more of a contractor almost?
0: Um, yeah, I mean, I've had different types of like business relationships with people like partnerships, um, revenue sharing, um, you know, like co-founders, uh, contract work. So it's kind of a blurry line on what, what I do. Um, but it's, I guess just higher level. I, I solve problems and I just get it done. Right. No matter what it is. So just a Swiss army knife, I'll find a way with tools I know and the resources I have to get that problem done.
1: But how do you, if if I may ask, how do you sell that? Imagine that, and I'll put myself in this situation. I'm not going to ask for someone that might be listening. I am actually put myself on the spot. I am someone who's been toying mentally with the idea of eventually consulting with startups and with companies in terms of innovation. But these skills that I assume that I have are not measurable. So how do you sell this idea of an intangible skill an unmeasurable um, scale at one point?
0: I show the proof. Um, so I have a I have a pretty um, decent resume and lots of quantified results on that okay. resume. So, you know, saving X million dollars here, doing, doing this product in just three months. So there's there's a lot of proof, right, through my work. So okay. I show them what I've done and um, map out a plan and an end goal
1: oh, so for you're whoever already... I'm working with. So and when you started, how did you do it?
0: Um, I, I, w- I guess I, I wish I could say it, that was deliberate too, but that was also totally by accident as it fell well. Your lap. <laughs> um, yeah. I just kind of fell in my lap and lots of people wanted to work together and partner together and just start making things happen. And I was just like, you know what? I don't think I'm really a great fit for a big company. I think I can do those jobs and I think I can, you know, smile each day and, and like it enough, but I don't think it's, it's where I'm supposed to be. So I, Switched from the Upstream Oil and Gas Company, went on that travel trip, um, started working for a startup, one of the founding four members of that, you know, and the first four team members for that startup. Um, really loved that experience, like really loved the startup culture and um, pace of work and just the, the minds you work with. It it's just super fun and scrappy and interesting and um, like really ridiculously ambitious, if you think about it, and decided to just stay with startups from there. And yeah, opportunities came from my network and um, people have worked with me before and new opportunities actually largely using LinkedIn and um, building relationships with people and people making introductions to others. So yeah, I mean, you just get started. I, I, but I've made a lot of mistakes. Um, I'd recommend getting a good lawyer to write your contracts. I'd recommend getting like getting a clear vision of what service you provide and just focusing on that one service. So let's say you're you can do it. You can do everything, but um, you're really good at marketing. Just maybe start off with pitching marketing because that's a lot easier than doing what I'm doing, where I'm just like, yeah, I can, I can just do it all. I'll just figure it out for you, right? It's it's hard in terms of um, pitching yourself to others. So I'm actually working on what's a better strategy to approach new people. Like, what's the right title? What's the right pitch? So that's that's where I'm at currently.
1: Interesting. And right now, are you most of your business is consulting? plus anything else, or do you do consulting on the side, on top of a business that you already own?
0: Um, I'm doing a few different things. So I'm also working with this homeless student um, shelter in LA. So Uh helping them find funding, um, just give, you know, more awareness to their cause and yeah, whatever resources that they need, just finding a way to provide it for them. And also donating time donating resources so there's also that Um, there's also the ebook um, and just posting on linkedin daily on top of like a few other projects that are in self-mode too as i mentioned earlier
1: going back to this transferable skills idea is there any book any resource outside or any resource rather that you can recommend for people who are interested in this whole idea of a transferable skill that can be used in a multitude of dozens of industries that can make a person truly, not only location independent, but can make them also industry independent. Is there any book, any resource that you can recommend?
0: Um, I have like a huge list of books for that. Um, just cause there's just so many different subjects to look into and read. Um, but I maybe just start with the four hour work week by Tim Ferriss. I think that's a really good primer.
1: Mr. Timothy to get started.
0: Yeah. Um, four hour work week. Um, I mean, there's, there's a lot of these types of books, right? It depends what your goal is. Like, for example, if you want to get better at negotiations, um, Maybe purchase "Getting Past No," um, "Never Split the Difference." I'm trying to think of another really good negotiation book. Um, it has a "Yes" in the title. It was also, I think, the same author as "Getting Past No." Mm. I'm blanking. Do you know? Do you know what that book is?
1: No, no, I, I never heard of it. I've, of course, I've heard of the Four Hour working, but "Getting Past No," I've, I've never heard of it.
0: Oh yeah, I mean, there's there's tons of books, and it's just getting started on subjects you're interested in. Um, Just like looking at my bookshelf, it's seriously a big hodgepodge of different things.
1: (laughs) And one of the things that I also, and we can, I can actually talk about this. One of the things that I first got to pay more attention about what you were posting on LinkedIn, and we're still going to mention LinkedIn, of course, but was the super resource folders that you were sharing when you were applying for an MBA.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I totally forgot about that. Um, yeah, there's this mega resources folder on my website. Um, so if you're studying for the GMAT, that that's really helpful. Um, like when I was applying to business school and I ended up doing it online. So I went through smartly, um, university, which is cool. It knocked out an MBA in a year. Yeah. Smartly. Um, and it's actually a legit online, um, program. Like the average GMAT score through that is, Around 7:30, um, so that competes with really competitive schools, um, and also they accept only students from, I think, the top 15% of schools. So it, it's actually pretty competitive to get into into Smartly. Um, and, and side note, you don't need a you don't need a GMAT score to get in. And I've met some really cool people through that. Even though it is completely online, there's a Slack channel and you interact with everybody. And I've met I met like a handful of the people in person. Um, through their L.A. events. I even flew out to the East Coast and met up with some people. So it's been a really cool experience.
1: Interesting. I've never done an MBA. I'm not even close, but I've actually toyed with the idea of doing an MBA. The thing is, I still think that in order to me to get the maturity to understand in real time what I'm being told, I think I need a little bit more experience under my belt to be able to say anything and to really appreciate what, I've, what I'm being taught. And I think that's what a lot of people actually yeah. fail. They're just going through the MBA MBA route rather without even learning what they're supposed to be learning about.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's, I'm sure you've experienced this in class. There's times where the material just clicks and you're able to make all these connections and like come back with such a sense of, wow, that was such an interesting approach. And then there's other times they're sitting in class where you're like, what, what is happening? What? I don't, I don't even understand. Like there's no, there's no foundation. There's no, there's no connection in place. So yeah, I think, I think that's smart. Um, Also, I think for what you're doing, you're just so naturally good at business and so business minded. I don't know if an MBA would be so useful for you, right? It's expensive. It's expensive in terms of time and resources, like especially since you're more entrepreneurial, Um, does, Does that really make sense? Is another question. I've,
1: I've, that actually was a question that I had for you. The, The thing for me is if I ever go and do an MBA, it would be more for the network itself. But I know that I can build the network personally speaking, and even with the podcast, I can build it. But I think that, I don't know, I think it's a cop out at the same time to not read some books. If I'm being told what the book has said or the book has, I also have the knowledge that the books give me, but at the same time I have a diploma that says, yeah, this kid knows business, even though I can prove it. Like you said, in with results I've never had actually never, nobody has ever talked with me or asked me that. Interesting. Now are you interviewing yeah, um, me? <laughs> <laughs> Tables have
0: turned. Yeah. I mean, totally. Um, I think with, the cost of business school, if your only goal is just to network, like, two, what is it, 250 grand, something like that. I can just buy how many people drinks with that and instantly new connection or coffee or, or lunch, right? I can just, or flights, flights yeah flights like you know just take maybe take a few months off of work and just go really ham with the network and go to as many events as possible ask everybody out for coffee um, fly you know fly to the east coast fly to the west coast wherever you are and start hanging out on campus at their business schools um, i actually joined forte um, fellow forum forte forum and through that it's just is like pre MBA program for women in business. So I'm meeting so many different women in business through that program. There's actually the 4K forum tonight um, where all the different business schools are attending and all sorts of people. So, you know, I don't really have business school on my career trajectory anymore. Mm-hmm. I've already done it online and I, I don't really see myself sitting in the classroom for two years of time or rather be out there building and doing things. So I'm just going to go to meet people, right? There's so many of these different events there and I don't need to spend 250 grand or go into debt in order to do that. But you know, some people, some people do like some people do need a serious career refresh and they want to go back to a big company and this is the best way to pivot. Right. So it, it's of course. Just, This is very general advice. It totally depends on your circumstance and your goals. But go through that pros and cons list and think like, okay, is this the best way to get to my end goal? Is this the best way to accelerate where I want to go?
1: Interesting thing that uh, you mentioned uh, what the money can get you. Actually, one of the the founders, or sorry, one of the guests that I had here in the podcast before uh, was Jack Singh, and he didn't have an MBA, and for him, he said literally that he took kind of a a Tim Ferriss route. He had money to invest, and instead of paying for a business education, he started investing in startups to learn with them.
0: Right. Yeah, same with Jason Calacanis, right? He's a pretty big angel investor. He just started writing checks for startups, Mm -hmm. and who knows how much he's worth now, right? Like there's there's probably better uses of that money depending on who you are and if you're going to put it to good use, but mm-hmm. like it's, it's, it's totally dependent on you. Like, I think that's why these personality tests are good. It's good to understand and be self-aware of what your strengths are, what your capabilities are and, um, find ways to stretch yourself and also just explore yourself a bit more like think back to your experiences and trials in your life and you're like okay why did these issues happen or why did this happen or why did I make this decision or where did this decision take me so spending time to really analyze your past life right like what what's been going on in your life and how how did you get to where you are and where do you need to go next
1: interesting that's very that's a very interesting approach and and I hope that everybody that's listening is r- writing some of the things that are being said here, but because there, there's like John Lee Dumas says in the Entrepreneur of Fire, there's t- true firebombs here being set out in terms of good knowledge. And thank you for sharing those ideas. Uh, yeah, I know <laughs> That's sweet. Going now focusing a little bit more on LinkedIn. You said that you don't have any, sure. you don't have Facebook, you don't have Twitter. Twitter, or if you do, you barely use it, if at all.
0: I, don't, I, I forgot the password. Like, I need to reset it. Yeah, I probably <laughs> have, like, a few tweets, and that was a while ago. <laughs> so what
1: what got you interested in LinkedIn specifically?
0: I just saw that it was so underutilized, and there's just so much potential. Like, um, looking at Instagram, I saw it was completely saturated, right? Like, starting a starting a new page on Instagram, a new company page, it's going to take tremendous effort. Um, and that's one, it's probably, that's probably not even the top reason. The top reason is there's just so much potential, right? There's just so many different people using that platform all the time. And it, y- you have access to so many professionals, right? It's I didn't find myself connecting at that caliber, right? At that level with, with those types of people on Instagram, on Facebook, right? I just don't think that's where these professionals live and spend their time and day. Mm-hmm. Um, also, I'm very I like, I like talking about intellectual topics and I like, you know, posting about things to help others do things. And also I like learning too. So it's just such a good platform to one learn and then to like share what I've learned. Um, and I don't really see myself doing that on Instagram, uh, maybe on Twitter, but you know, it's not really en- enough characters to convey the message effectively.
1: Uh, of course, of course. Funny thing that I used to be as um, a very young person, Facebook used to be a very proponent and very important social media in my life. But since the Cambridge Analytica thing, I I basically just go there to publish the episodes of this podcast and just don't care. And one of the things I've been feeling is that LinkedIn is a much more valuable tool and learning opportunity that a lot of people give it credit for.
0: Yeah, a hundred percent. And you just meet so many, like your next co-founder might be on LinkedIn, right? There's just so much happening there all the time. And with the right type of message, you can connect to anybody. If you use LinkedIn the right way, it's just so powerful. Um, So I really recommend exploring that some more, Um, perhaps writing some content too, because you get a lot of connections that way. Like a lot of, I get a lot of messages a day, a lot of new connections just from the content being posted. Right. So and everybody has something that they could share. Like I, people are like, oh, I, don't, I can't share anything. I don't know anything. I don't know what to publish. I'm like, yes, you definitely do. You, have, you live a completely different life from anyone else on this planet. Of course, you have something to share. So get, get that thought out of your head and just think critically like, all right, what am I good at or what experiences have I had or what makes me unique or what's a personal story I could share and just post it on LinkedIn and start posting daily and being active and, and committing to that kind of discipline. Right. Then instead of 30 minutes on, yeah. An interesting yeah, thing is
1: that even the idea that you don't know anything—it's a good content. If you are upfront about not knowing what to post, what not knowing what your skills are, you're actually putting people on the journey. If you keep doing it, publishing every day, like you said, 30, taking 30 minutes for it. Basically, if you yeah. start by if you start with this part of the story, I don't know what I'm good at, or I yeah. have no story to tell basically you're getting people into your own story and that you can share what you're learning, what you know now and be able to value yourself as well.
0: That's such a good two line hook. Yeah, totally. Like being vulnerable on the platform. um, Just you know, one, it's like very interesting to read and relatable, but two, it also just does really well. So being vulnerable in that sense, it's it's really powerful.
1: And at the same time, I think is that there are so many bullshitters on LinkedIn as well. Unfortunately there's bullshitters everywhere. And there are not a lot, there are, a lot of CEO founder people, but there are not a lot of people saying I screwed up or I don't know. People get to get tense when they have to show any kind of vulnerability. Vulnerability,
0: Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. There's yeah, a lot of the posts lack subtlety. Like it's so clear that they're just promoting themselves or their company or, or their product or whatever. Right. Like a more subtle approach does way better on LinkedIn and Uh, If if you're on LinkedIn to do those kinds of campaigns, like you first need to provide value in your posts consistently and once in a while, like sprinkle that in, right? But don't make it all of the posts, all about you all the time or all about your company or all about your product. Like you're going to immediately turn off your audience.
1: So, and to, to, to take on on LinkedIn as well, how did you, you already said that you were interested, but how did you start? creating your content? Was it just one day they decided, okay, this is a very, very valuable tool. Let me figure out what I can do with this. Or did you read anything, any post, any LinkedIn influencer that turned you on into
0: building your audience on LinkedIn? Yeah. Um, I got interested in e-commerce for a bit. Um, so started exploring that some more. Um, and then realized so much of e-commerce success is tied to, online marketing. Mm-hmm. Um, so just started looking more into that, reading as much as I can from so many different influencers, like tons of articles all the time. And I really started studying what goes well and what doesn't. And then I started running my own tests, right? So I started on LinkedIn just kind of testing. Does this post do well? Okay, no. This, does this post do well? Nope. What's what's different? Let me iterate it again. Okay, this one did better. What changed? You know what I mean? So just tweaking it each time and perfecting it. And it took it took me months to get good traction, right? It's not it's not instantaneous at all like um i was speaking to a friend recently and they were just saying like oh this post isn't doing well and i'm like all right well it takes time don't expect your first post to be a home run it takes consistent effort and it, it takes understanding your audience and and really paying attention to what does well and what doesn't and setting a hypothesis and testing it right Like a lot of my posts are complete duds, right? Like they don't all just take off and some, some really take off. Like uh, the GMAT resources, uh, at least 5 million views. Like I've been checked it recently and over a hundred thousand emails sent out with those resources. So that was, that was a huge home run, but other posts, like, you know, maybe 10 likes that's that's pretty embarrassing, and that's okay, right? <laughs> you just you either delete it or keep it, and just keep moving forward and iterate. You know, like what w- went wrong here? Being really self-critical and oh, yeah, just for going sure. from there.
1: For sure, for sure. I yeah, think yeah. I, I really, really, really enjoy the the post that you have, and to be honest, one of the things that also lately have been getting me to post a little bit more about the Pioneers show about its development have been by following people like you that share personal anecdotes on and how they learned a lot. For example, the, the Pioneer show recently got to its first 1000, the true downloads. It's still early. Nice. It's still early. It's still not a thousand per episode still, but the, the the truth is it all starts here. Yeah, you just here. got
0: started. Yeah, that's that's amazing. That's great traction. You, Cause you just started what, like a few months ago?
1: Literally 10 weeks ago. The first episode was released 10 weeks ago wow. to the day.
0: Wow, that's, that's amazing
1: traction. Seriously. That's, that's awesome. And it's
0: literally, so how did you do that?
1: Like, I, I'm going to be completely honest is that my girlfriend did the design for the Pioneer show and that was incredible. And I think that also having already a good following from Portugal, knowing a lot of entrepreneurs in Portugal, knowing some journalists in Portugal and having a good following in terms of friends got me to a place. But then the thing is, I think that the themes that I'm talking with people about the people that I'm talking to about and, even piggybacking on their own audiences, it's helping me show people that there's a lot more to talk about than just the, always the same thing. Oh, you work hard and you can do whatever the fuck you want. No, I want to tell a story and I want to get to know that person on a personal yeah. level. And I think that the business, yeah. business journals, everything, there's never, never, never a personal connection at the same time. I like to laugh in the conversation, like to do everything in the conversation.
0: Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, working hard is just one small piece, right? It's, it's so much of it is just like who, you know, it's because if you, if you keep your head down and just work hard, but no one knows about you or knows about your product or your business, then then that's a failure.
1: Of course. And, I, and the, the, the thing is most of the people that I've been getting, it's literally, they either fall on my lap or for example, it's with you, I send out a message saying I've been following you for a few months now. Let's see. I mean, Let's see if it gets, and you say yes, when we have a 30 minute talk last week, and then we're talking here for over an hour now, it's literally something that just happens and people are nice enough to give me their time so that I can share with an audience that it's striving for a different kind of content, striving to learn how to change careers, how to build their own careers.
0: I I think there's a, I'm going to, well, I think your message was more than just luck, right? Like you knew, you knew how to Uh, phrase the message to get a response. Cause I I get a lot of messages where I just don't respond to them just because like one, it's probably spam. Like everyone's just using LinkedIn helper to automate sales messages, which is why I added my last name. To my first name, so I know what's automated and what isn't, because people aren't going to address me as "Hey Ariana Desiree." They're going to say "Hey Ariana," right? Mm-hmm. So that's that's already one filter. But just the way you phrase the message was so nice, just so just so appealing, right? Like yeah, I I don't see why you're not going to get a lot of responses. Uh,
1: I'm getting. With I'm the getting, way you the message, I've, I've been getting actually a ton of responses. And the, the the thing is, for me, it's always a personalized message. For you, when I wrote you the message, yeah. it was a literally I've been following you for a long time. I've, I have still on my Google drive, the mega resources folder. So I've been following. So I know what to tell you a few weeks ago. I tried approaching a CEO. He actually said no, because right now he doesn't have a lot of time, but I literally said, I love your product. And I think your product, like what I want to do empowers people. So I really want to get you on the podcast. So,
0: yeah, yeah, I think, yeah, actually ditching um, these automated message services and just going for the personalized approach. Like, it's better to double down and spend a lot of time writing, like, let's say five personalized messages in a week than sending out thousands of generic ones. Oh, yeah, yeah. because Yeah, it's quality. It's quality. It's not quantity. Like, you want to be very targeted, like, with who you're contacting and what you're saying. Um, And sure, not everyone's going to respond, but you're going to get a much higher yield. And just a way
1: better connection that way. And and on, uh, on at the end of the year or at the end of the day, it's literally that idea that your net worth, it's your network. And if I'm just adding people yeah. because that's not interesting for me, and I think that won't be interesting for anyone who's listening to the podcast, because I want them to show to show them as well for people who are listening that the conversation that I'm having with you. Which is being great. And thank you so much for taking the time, it literally means a lot. But it's not bullshit. We're literally having a good conversation. We're learning from each other. I'm learning from you. I hope that you're learning from some things that I'm saying. So, this is achievable for anyone who has a mission and is willing to work for it. And at the same time, who is willing to go through their goals.
0: Right, right. Cheers. Uh, what's your biggest strength? Like, what do you think drives you to do what you do or is your secret superpower that? that
1: just attracts the success for you? I, I, don't, I don't consider myself successful, first of all, but the thing is that I think that's my super strength is that I'm mission-driven to the point that I have my own personal mission to the end of the world and that my personal mission changed a lot, but I think it's very concise right now and that I believe in the idea of helping people in a very selfish way. I like the way I feel when I help people and I like yeah. to learn from what people learn as well. I like the uh, Socratic method of learning. And when I ask a question, I'm when I ask you a question, I'm literally trying to understand from what you're learning, but at the same time, if I ask you a question that you don't know, we're both learning at the same time. And that's, I think it's the thrive by mission driven statement that I'm completely, I can work 35 hours in a row if I believe in a mission. For example, before I started my, my diet, I never had any fasts, and I remember one day I was just so focused on the thing that I was doing that I went like for thirty hours without eating because I was just focused. Of course, in in this I was yeah. I slept, but I just focused a lot. And now I, let me change What's, the question back to you, if I if you don't mind. What's your what are your biggest strengths? Sure.
0: Um, good question. I think approaching things in a very simple way. Um, there's uh, a lot of the problems I'm getting, they're, they're posed very, like they're very, they're very complex problems, but usually the best solutions are simple. So finding just ignoring the irrelevant and focusing on the simple, elegant solution to the problem. Mm. So I think that's my biggest strength. So just, just dealing with a lot of ambiguous data and information and even a problem statement, even the other person doesn't know what they want. They're just like, just do something. Mm-hmm. So being in a very ambiguous environment and distilling it down to, okay, what's the simple, elegant solution to this big jumbled mess. So I think that's my biggest strength.
1: Very nice. And if if you don't mind, how did you find that strength specifically? Because a lot of people talk about self-awareness and I would like to know, how did you come across that strength or that, to be aware of that strength?
0: Um, I think it was just repeatedly told to me. I don't think I was really aware of it, especially like really early in my career. Like I really had no idea what my strengths were. Like I thought my strengths were like, Oh, I have a lot of energy or a lot of passion or, um, I have a strong work ethic, but I it, like, it, you know, I, I don't think those were, those are just, hmm. yeah, I think it was just talking to a lot of people. They're like, wow. Okay. That was just such an ambiguous problem. And seeing other people struggle with, not really having a well-defined problem, but you know, I I like really like those types of problems where there's no, there's no easy answer right off the bat, or it's not, it's not very obvious. So like, I think I excel in those types of environments and seeing other people comment like, Oh, okay. You you can really parse through all of that and come up with a simple solution very quickly.
1: Hmm. Interesting. Well, this conversation has been great and I would like to know if you're now willing to jump into lightning round.
0: Yeah. What's the fire? Yeah. Yeah. You know, what, let's just do it. Don't tell me what the fire round
1: is. No, I have to explain to you what a lightning round is. A lightning round, a fire round, oh, whatever. Okay, it's, sure. it's basically really okay. simple. I'll ask you one question Yeah, and you have one minute to answer.
0: Oh, okay. Sure. Hopefully, yeah. Hopefully I can answer it in less than a minute. Ah, How many questions are that? Eight,
1: eight questions. <laughs>
0: Okay, yeah, let's do it. I'm ready.
1: First of all, what's the book or books that have impacted you the most?
0: A Disciplined Entrepreneurship by Bill Ouellette.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I don't know if I pronounced his last name correctly, but... Um, I got really inspired when I visited MIT and their um, Martin Trust Center, and just the volume of startups that come out of MIT. And then I discovered this professor through there, um, and it was also recommended to me um, by a friend. So I bought the book, and it is by far my favorite book on entrepreneurship. Like everyone talks about lean startup, but I think disciplined entrepreneurship is really, really understated, um, and I think it should be everyone's guidebook if they're getting started as an entrepreneur.
1: Perfect. Tell me something you've changed your opinion in the last six
0: months. Changed my opinion on in the last six months. Um, I would say what makes a good partner in business. Now I have a whole new list for that. Um, like, I think because I think before I was a, a bit impulsive, like I would just say, hey, you know, we get along as friends and obviously you do good work and um, you have great energy and you have great drive. But it, it's so much more than that. When you're partnering with someone, it's integrity. It's are they committed to the project? So starting off by doing very short-term part-time projects with someone to test the business relationship because just because you get well personally doesn't mean you work well together or have the same communication style or the same mindset or the same goals for the project or company Um, so I think that was that was a learning lesson slash um, shift in mindset recently
1: very interesting do you have any life motto or quote that you like to live by
0: I don't think just do (laughs) Not Love to it. that extent, but, you know, think less and do more. Love <laughs> it.
1: If I were to give you six months to prepare to do a TEDx talk, what would it be about?
0: Um, Actually, a recent presentation I I did for this women's conference, so it's called Rock a Mohawk, and it was just like, because um, I had a bit of a Mohawk thing, I cut my own hair in high school, it, it didn't look great, like you could probably... <laughs> can't, it was actually a really bad haircut, but my mom was so sweet and so supportive. She's like, that was your best haircut. Don't lie to me. Yeah. Very sweet. Um, but rock a mohawk and just encouraging people to be more daring and more bold with anything that they're doing and just to bring that full energy into everything. Right. If you're going to approach that cute girl or if you're going to do whatever, right. Just, Mm -hmm. just be bold and just put, put a lot of energy into it. And don't like, don't even think of failure happening, right? Like, don't even think that's an option.
1: Yeah. Failing is not an option. I totally agree. Yeah. Before we yeah. go into the blogs and getting to know, there's one last point that I would like to to talk about. And this is actually something that I never thought I would, I would do, even though I say this in the intro of every podcast, but I think you fall in the category of a doer and not necessarily a maker. Makers are the ones that you, nowadays we talk, we hear about the indie makers, the developers, they are location independent, but you're not necessarily a developer. So as a doer, is there any resource, any tools, any websites that can, someone listening to this conversation right now, going somewhere, walking their walking their dog, washing dishes, whatever, you can tell them to, yeah. what are the best tools that can have right now to be more of a doer like you, like yourself, a consultant, build your own business, anything that you'd like to give to our audience?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it it comes down to like, a lot of it is organization and planning. Um, So just sitting down, getting a spreadsheet open or getting a sauna open and, and coming up with all the little details and the little steps something something that you can execute on and setting setting goals for yourself for each week right because if you're tackling like starting a new business or doing any product or whatever you're it's a beast of an endeavor right and it's easy to get discouraged or not want to do it after a few months or oh it's so hard but you know you just you just start to love the process because you have the process broken down into little steps and it's okay if those steps change but Sitting down and coming up with a detailed plan, I think is important, but also being flexible and saying, okay, this plan isn't working, let's, let's change it. Um, but it, it's important to set, set those kinds of goals for yourself. So if you're if you're not really great at networking and you're like, hey, I want to get better at networking, maybe, you know, download the Shaper app and um, download the MixMax calendar app and start... Start booking people on your calendar, send out a link to your calendar and start getting 30 minute phone calls like 10 times a week and, and reaching out to people on LinkedIn and go, go, like downloading the or subscribing to the calendars and seeing what events are local and what interests you or going to meetups or even hosting your own meetup. Right. Like you can you can do these things. You can initiate them, too.
1: Well, I think that that was very, very helpful. So now, Ariana, where can people find you? How can people get in touch, um, everything?
0: Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm very responsive on LinkedIn. So Ariana Desiree Thacker. Um, uh, there's like one other Ariana Thacker somewhere in the universe. So um, <laughs> uh, my, my current tagline is uh, founder, creator, engineer. So connect with me on there and yeah, send, send a message. We can definitely get in touch and get like a 30 minute call together or just exchange the messages.
1: Well, Ariana, this was a great conversation. I really, really love this conversation. And I hope that everyone outside got a chance to learn a little bit more about you, but at the same time, become inspired to build something. And I think that's one, if there is something to gain from this conversation, more than advices, more than a resource or book, I think everyone could be very, very inspired from this conversation at the same time. And I really appreciate you taking the time.
0: Oh, that's really sweet. Yeah, you're you're awesome. Thank you for inviting me on the show. Thank you very such much. Such good energy. Yeah, this is such a fun Wednesday morning. So cheers. Thank you for that.
1: Wednesday morning for you. Almost the end of the day for me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, And with this, Ariana, thank you very much. Have a great day.
0: Thank you, you too. Bye.
1: Thank you so much for plugging into this episode. I truly hope you loved this conversation as much as I did. If you're considering getting a business education, be it formal or through college or whatever, any other way, or through a self-taught route, you can't go wrong with the mega resources folder she shares on our website. This and any other information that you might've missed will probably be linked up in the show notes. If you enjoyed this conversation, consider subscribing to make sure that this podcast grows and we can get some more people and help everyone be the pioneers of their lives and careers another thing that you can do and help me out a lot is drop a rating and review on itunes or in any other podcasting platform that you're listening to this episode right now a big thank you to ariana for her time and a big thank you for tibo flundling aka dj rodia check it out on the show notes for the new music of the pioneers show once again it was really really great pleasure having you there have a great time talk to you later bye-bye